Hi everybody, welcome back to the Little Green Pasture. I pray that everybody is doing well today. That you're blessed. That your heart is full of hope towards the Lord. He's the hope that never disappoints. He's our God. And I'm so happy to be here to share some things that I believe the Lord spoke to my heart today. In fact, I know he did. And as my custom is, I always reverence the Lord first in prayer. So let's turn our hearts towards him. Let's look towards him from our hearts. Because we're always looking for him. And I'm going to pray now. So Father, write down the name of Jesus. It is with great joy and pleasure that I come before you, Lord. And I offer up myself to you to be a riverbed, not just a vessel, but a riverbed of your living waters. And to speak those things that I will hear you speak. Lord, you know I have my, my scriptures, but Lord, they want to hear from you. So I ask you. For your presence to be among us and to be with me while I make this message, Lord. And let me speak as I hear you speak to me and bring to my remembrance things perhaps you want me to say. So I pray that this message, Lord, will point everybody to you as long, Lord, as long as this video goes out. As long as the sun and moon exist. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning I was in, obviously I always start this because I make these videos in the morning when I'm fresh. So I had an idea, not just an idea, like I had something in my heart that I wanted to share with you and teach you. But as soon as it got closer to the sun rising after prayer, after reading the word, it began to go away like a mist. And the thing that I thought that I would share with you today was not something Jesus wanted me to share with you. Not that it was something not valuable, but perhaps for another time. So while I was in prayer, the last thing I said to him is, Lord, this is something I want to share to the people. I offer it up to you. But if it's not what you want, show me what you want. Show me what you want me to say. And I'll say it, Lord. I'll set aside everything. And I basically do that with every message. I always give him that, Lord. You've seen my messages. You know what I'm about to say. But you are the Lord. And I set it aside. And many times there are things I don't even share or teach that I have written over here. But isn't that what we want? We want his voice. and We want to hear from him. So those thoughts of the things I wanted to share was like the dew on the grass where the sun rises and it evaporates. And so then 
I was sitting there in a moment of quietness and I said, you know, Lord, there's all these people that have been my teachers for decades. People that I've read biographies of and learned from those living streams. They wrote it all down for us. And Lord, from babyhood, you've taught me. From those that were not alive during my day. And they've been long home with you. And I said, Lord, if you were to show them what was going on, they wouldn't believe it if you were to let them come back for a minute and see it. Because I was really thinking about this. I'm just going to be open. I thought, and this is just my, my human self, the, the Jones speaking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, look at where we are right now. We're clearly in the last ticking seconds of the church age. The Bible has been completely so far. I mean, it can never be exhausted. In heaven, it won't be exhausted. It'll go on for all eternity. But it's like, I've been around for so long. I thought it's like everything has been taught. Everything has been, hairs have been split. Even the split hairs have been split. And the split hairs that have been split are still being split. <clears throat> and like that saying, Jesus said, you strain at a gnat. But you swallow a camel. And sometimes I think we just so strain at the gospel and the words of God. And we're trying to, we're trying to get a, an expression from the Lord. We're trying to get a word from the Lord. We're trying to get a flash of revelation from the Lord. And so I was thinking about all these thoughts were going into in and out of my mind. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't have it all up on your word. <clears throat> but one thing I'm looking at right now, Jesus, in this little blade of grass. I said, Lord, those people that lived before, they served in their generation and they received those living waters that are still feeding me today. But there is a greater thirst. I feel like I'm thirsting even more than I ever thirsted in my life. And I'm seeing this world being turned upside down. And thirst is really a greater thing than hunger. Even people that are dying, they thirst. Everything is thirsty in this world. Every living thing is thirsty. And I'm thirsty for Jesus. Our lives don't stop. We're still living every day. We're getting up. Maybe you're going to school. You're going to work. You're going to the store. You have a doctor appointment over there today. You have plans for next week. You have deadlines to meet. Our life goes on. But we're, our life is going on during the, these end days. And while we're living these common daily lives, we are absolutely seeing what's going on over there. And that is the epic. This is the epic end. And yet our lives still go on and we're still so thirsty. And yet so many people are unsaved. 
So I was thinking, I'm just I'm just saying all these things because these were my thoughts to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I, I'm serious. I was like, I, 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 there's a side of myself that's radical and raw. And if I, I could tear a garment, I could tear a garment. And I was like, Lord, what do you want me to tell this last generation? What do you want to say to them? It's like everything has been said. And it's been said, like I said, over and over with the splitting hairs thing. But I was serious. I was highly passionate. And I, I said, Lord, I, I, I'm empty again. And the thing that I thought I would teach evaporated. I said, what is on your heart, Lord? What do you want to say at this end time? Because I don't want to do any messages that are just messages. I want to be like Sarah or Rachel who kept their father's sheep. I want to be able. I, 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 I sometimes find it very difficult to express myself to you guys sometimes because they're, I'm, that life of Christ, the life of God within me is always wanting to burst forth. But if I could put it this way, I was so passionate in prayer. I said, Lord, I don't want to say anything that's not living. You're the living God. I want the living waters. I want the living waters for myself. And I want them to flow forth out of my belly, not because I remembered a bunch of things. Anyways, I got up from there. I didn't hear anything. But I don't, I'm not like that with the Lord. I don't, I don't expect him to speak when I ask him to speak. I let myself be heard and I go on. And that's usually how it happens with me. It's his prerogative to speak when he wants to speak. And it was about a half an hour later. And this scripture came into my mind. And it goes and it's from John 7, 37, 38. But I'm just going to say the verse 37. And it came in just like this. In the last day. The great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And then he goes on to say, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But you see, the, the emphasis was in the last day. In the last day. The great day of the feast, Jesus didn't cry. Now, we don't see Jesus standing up and, and this word cry. And you know what? I, I looked it up. I said, I want to see exactly what the word cried. Now, we of course, we read that and we go, well, he was he was loud. He, he got up. He was physical. He stood up. And I looked it up. What did the Greek say? To stand. The Greek word for stand is histami is to establish a thing, to cause it to stand, to uphold or sustain the authority or force of anything, to stand immovable like the foundation of a building. And the word cried is kradzo, which means to scream, exclaim, entreat. So this was a very physical uh, expression because in chapter seven, He's going at it with the Pharisees. He's going toe-to-toe. Read it yourself. And he's in the temple. And they're questioning him. And it's it's 
it's on. And you get this feeling when you get to tap when you get to that verse, chapter 37 and 38. The Holy Spirit made sure to say, in the last day, the great day of the feast, he stood and cried. Jesus stood and cried and saying, I'm going to put a period at the end of this sentence. You want to go back and forth and talk about who, you know, who I am and the laws and this and that. He says, let me put it to you this way. And you can't you just see him standing. I mean, we, we serve a passionate Christ. He was Middle Eastern. They're passionate people. And he stood up and he cried. He stood immovable like a foundation, like a mountain to establish a thing by force. Saying, check this out. If any man thirsts, anybody thirsts, let him come to me. Let him come to me and let him drink. And he that believes on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Speaking of the new birth, being born again. And they didn't understand it, but he, he stood there. And I just get this picture. I could hear, I mean, just think about this. A man's voice, strong, loud, authoritative. The God-man, Jesus Christ. And that just moved me today. And I believe that the Lord gave me that verse to begin with of these things I'm saying to you. Because with force, I believe in this last day, these last days, these epic final days. In a way, I don't want to say this is what he said to me because he didn't say it to me. But as he heard what I said to him. And I just want to be cautious and careful. But I want to say I get this sense from him. That in a sense, and I'm not putting words in his mouth, I would never put words in his mouth. But in my heart, I could tell you it was as if he was saying, you're right. Tell him to come to me. I don't care who it is. If any man thirst, let him come unto me. Jew or Gentile. Jew and Gentile. Let him come to me. If he's thirsty. No laws are going to hold him back. No qualifications. No letters. Nothing. Let him come unto me. You know, I thought about that, that there was three invitations in the New Testament. Because the first invitation started with the one woman in John 4, 13 through 16. Jesus, the woman at the well, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Your human life. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, Paul thy husband and come hither. And that was his first invitation to one person, a woman, an outcast, who happened to be related to the tribe of Dinah, the Dinahites, in case you didn't know, a daughter of Jacob. 
one woman offering her living water. But when he said, go, call thy husband, I saw the words, go, call. That The word go is a commission word. Notice Jesus always says go. Through the entire Bible, I started circling. Uh, I didn't do every one, but the word go. When God, Jesus says go, go forward. He's giving a commission. Now to her, he says, go, call. And I said, this sets a stream. This sets a stream. The stream has been an eternal stream. From the day that Jesus said, go, call thy husband and come. Hither. Notice he says, come. He knew all about it. He knew all about her. But he's talking about come and drink. I'm certain the man that she was with that day, obviously nobody was saved in Samaria. Nobody was saved yet until after the cross. But the point I'm making is, it started with one woman. And then, of course, as I just first read to you in John 7, 37, 38, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man, now he's speaking to a multitude of people that are filling the, have filled the temple. In the last day, the great day of the feast, it, that temple was filled up with people. I believe he not only just uh, cried, you know, with a force, a scream, an exclaiming, an entreating. But because there were so many people, but you know what, would you really mean something? God gave us different variations and intonations of our voice. But there's a sound. When you mean something and you're tired of all the bickering or whatever, all the noise, there's a sound that makes everybody quiet down. But you see, he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he said that. And I believe that when Jesus said that, what that was, that was to first to the woman, then it was to this multitude of people, as well as to those Pharisees and chief priests and scribes and lawyers and the elders and the Sanhedrin and whoever else was there that day which I'm sure they were, and the Sadducees. Can't you just see him standing up? What a powerful vision. Wow. If any man thirst, like you're not stopping anybody from coming to me. I don't care who anybody is here. I mean, that's really, in a sense, he's showing himself as God. Because he's talking about living waters again he puts it out there eternal life you know when jesus was in that ninth hour of suffering jesus cried with a loud voice see there's only a couple places there's three places where jesus cried with a loud voice and that was that last day, that great day of the feast. And it was a loud voice at the ninth hour when he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, that word that I showed you before 
was Kradzo, which means scream, exclaim, entreat, but this one was greater. It's called Magos, meaning like megaphone. So he was even crying louder to the Father. And I looked at that today and I thought, you know, when, this is the ninth hour. This is the final word, words before he died. This is the, there was seven times he spoke on the cross. And this is the eighth one. And it said that he cried, he mega, megos. It was so loud. And it means used of intensity with great effort of the affections and emotions of the mind. Of natural events, powerfully affecting the senses, violent, mighty and strong. And I love that word violent because there's a violence in serving Christ. I'm not talking about physical violence and doing all these things, but there's something within and that something is a somebody within. And we're in these human bodies and it's hard to let that come out, but it can come out in our voice. And so when he did that, he said, he said, why, my God, my God, why, are, why uh, hast thou forsaken me? And haven't you ever been in that place where you do let it out? And I look at this whole world right now. And I believe everybody in the world is saying, Where's God now? Why is he forsaken this earth? Where is he now? A big grand Eloi, Eloi, Lamasa, Bakhtani. In a sense, people are wondering, where is he? Why is he forsaken this world? But God hasn't forsaken anything. He has forsaken nothing. Let me continue. Jesus thirsted because in his body and in that torture, but he was thirsty. Jesus said, after Jesus knowing all these things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he saith, I thirst, like at the end, like he's at the end now. Just like that great day, that last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, and he said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And Jesus here, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, says, now he just says it, I thirst. Thirst. Because you see, these human bodies can only take so much of this world and this life. And the hardships of it and the trouble of it. And we see a world where people are saying, I just want to be with the Lord. I hope Jesus comes back soon. Because people are thirsty. And they're in the, I think this world is in a sense in those throes of I thirst. I'm not talking about the wicked that don't desire God, that are bent on doing evil, that are reprobate, Christ deniers, the wicked. I don't mean them. Many, I believe God has turned them over. And that's why I believe what we're seeing, that God has turned this world over. And all these wicked people, can any of them be saved? I don't know. That's between them and God. Only God knows he'll come to him. But I look at this world and I think, you know what? You have turned over. You have turned over this world. And there's many people that you've turned over because only God knows who will never come to him. 
And though God is angry every day, his hand is stretched out still. When Jesus cried with a loud voice, Luke 23, 46, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And that word was magos. So it was greater than that last day, the great day of the feast. That was Kradzo to scream, to entreat. But the Magos is with a, all the force of your whole being. And that just speaks to me. I spoke to somebody today. He said he went to his wife's church and he said it was like, being around a bunch of dead people they were just dead and we serve the living god they're like all galvanized corpses it's very sad and then there's the third invitation to all in revelation 22. so it's the third invitation to come and drink but it's tripled the invitation like when jesus first told the woman go call the commission go call and come to me revelation 22 i don't have the exact i should have had it down but he says i jesus have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches i am the root and the offspring of david and the bright and morning star and the spirit and the bride say come and let him that heareth say come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely that's jam-packed and in a sense isn't that what jesus is saying to us today through this word that I'm giving you. He's saying, I, Jesus, this is his word. I, Jesus, he's standing by his word. He's putting his name on it. It's a, it's a graven invitation where he starts out with one woman, then he starts with a multitude. And then he says, even from the beginning, if any man, he even said it to the woman, whosoever, and again to any man. And then it says, and let him that is thirst come and whosoever will take of the water of life freely. Three times he says, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. And then somehow it's the go, call. Because it says, and let him that heareth. So somebody, he's saying, when we go, call. And then bring them back to Jesus. We're not back if they don't know him. But we go and call. Because see, you see a chain of a, a chain reaction. The spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth 
come. Somebody's hearing you. And then let him that is a thirst. Maybe somebody else is hearing what you're saying. Come. It's an entreating. Jesus is making his final call to everybody, to whosoever will. Because, see, all the way down through the line, he's been saying, come and drink. Let me share something with you quickly. I was thinking about years ago, back in the 80s, I was having such a hard time. I was holding on to Jesus for dear life. I was all alone. I didn't have any friends. I had one friend that I made. I met her. Somebody introduced her to me. And she was the only friend I had that was a believer. And I just was so happy that I had one person in my life that was older than me in the faith and that I can learn from. And I just loved her. And uh, I'd always visit her all the time because I was so lonely. And I was in such a terrible situation in my first marriage. It was just terrible. And uh, and so around that time, a new church was built in town. And at the time, I was going to uh, a church nearby, Calvary Chapel. And I, that's the only church I'd ever known that I've been going to since being a teenager. And so one day she said to me, oh, my husband and I started that new church up the road. And I was like, oh, it's such a beautiful building. It's so pretty. And she was talking to me, oh, you should go. We invite you to go with us. And so I went like two or three different times with them. And um, I was always so much in pain, you know. And one day I was, and I was always visiting her house. And so um, there was a couple times, like one time I visited her, she said, oh, I hope you don't mind if I have to ask you to go right now because we're getting ready for a Bible study and I got to get everything ready. And it didn't dawn on me at the time that she didn't invite me to the Bible study. I was just like, oh, okay. And so I left and like, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks went by and I was visiting her just so happened on that same day of Bible study time at her house. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I go, oh, that's right. That's right. This is when you have Bible study. And so I left. And then time had gone by. And then a third time I was over at her house and I had given thought between the last time and this time and uh, why she never invited me that she would ask me to go. Like, I thought, is there something wrong with me? Like, is she embarrassed of me? Do I not fit in? I had all these feelings that I wasn't good enough, that I was less than, that I wasn't as good as that Christian group that I was so desperately in thirst for Christ. And so one day, and again, on the third day, I said, oh, yeah, I guess this is what the day that you have Bible study. And she says, oh, I know, I know. I. She goes, but you can still hang out. You know, it's not for one. I said, no, I'm going to go. And I said, by the way, can I go to the Bible study? And she goes, oh, I'm really sorry, but you can't. And I'm like, why not? And she said, because first you have to be a member at our church, the one I had visited for three times. And you have to go for a six, uh, you have to have a lesson six Sundays after church. You have to go to um, a class by the pastor and 
then he will assign you to a Bible study and it may not be with us. Let me tell you something what that did with me. It wounded me. I was so confused as a young believer. I was, I didn't understand because I thought, you know, that what any of us would think like, I'm thirsty. And I went back home so hurt. But let me tell you what it did to me. And it made me who I am today. It built up something in me. Not to be angry with her. And I was for a while. I was hurt by her. And I had to work at forgiveness. I had to work at forgiveness of the body. of the You know, not the body's problem, but like the system and the confusion. And that how it put me on a kind of a weird path of me like, oh, if I, you know, kind of like, oh, if I do more, I'll be accepted. If I learn more, they'll like me. If I could prove that I'm, you know, worthy to be, you know, in their circles. I never went back to that church again. But I'll tell you what it did in me. I got a taste of what it felt like. That perhaps people that were standing that day, the last day, that great day of the feast, because the Gentiles were put out. And they were there. There were Gentile believers, but they had to stand in the outer court. I felt like my life was in that outer court all that time. And I'm trying to be like Zacchaeus, trying to get a peek of Jesus, trying to run ahead or blind Bartimaeus. And people say, would you hold it down? You're too spiritual. And all those things, may it built me up. It tore me down. Like it says, I will uproot that I may replant and I will destroy that I may rebuild and God did that to me I was wounded that I would be healed I was killed that I would be made alive again and I had to go into a kind of I guess a destruction so that I could learn and see and know Jesus Christ that there's no qualification to come to him there's churches out there well, you know, you have to come three times and then you got to sit before. We've got to take you to the board. You got to fill out an application so we know what you're of. And do you have a baptismal certificate? You show me in the Bible where it says that we have to qualify to come and drink of the water of life freely. No way. No way. I love the freedom that I have, the glorious liberty of the children of God. And you have that too. And this is. That last day, that last, and, and it's like, yes, that was tabernacles. But in a sense, that's what the Lord was saying to me. Lord, what do you want to say to your people? And he spoke. He spoke to me. In the last day, that great, great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. Can't you just see that physical coming out, something bursting out of him? And say, can't you just see his face on fire and the power of his voice? I could just see everybody frozen solid staring up at him because he's like, I'm done talking to you. Here's how it's going down. Who, if any man thirst, if any man thirst, I'll tell you something, nothing stopped Jesus. Nobody stopped Jesus. And even people that in this modern day, they twist the words of Jesus and they, they, they twist the doctrines that have been so beloved and so pure of the Lord. They twist it so they can concoct their own organizations and have bigger 
It has to have more seats, more people are coming to give themselves titles. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. A servant. I'm not saying a pastor shouldn't be called a pastor. There are real pastors out there, and I regard them as pastors, and they deserve that title. But holy and reverend is his name. And those men that are real pastors know it. And this is the last day. These are the last days. And there's something in me that just feels so powerful when I saw that. That's what he wants to say. It just feels so much. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. You don't even need to. I don't say any of these things that you like me or agree with me. I'm just here to let it out. Because there's all kinds of yes men out there that want everybody to like them. I think that when we try to get everybody to like us, we're done. A dispensation of the gospel has been given to us, meaning it's over. Because if we're trying to say things to get people to like us or subscribe to us or give to us, then we have separated ourselves from the Holy Spirit. Because when you are truly surrendered to Jesus Christ, and that surrender takes years, it takes time. You surrender as you're dying. You surrender more of your life. But I'll tell you, it's not to have a title. It's not to have a position in a church. It's not to have your name printed on something where it says you're some executive pastor, uh, some whatever you are. And I know there's a lot of humble pastors out there. There's a lot of humble people who have uh, house churches. I'll tell you one thing. One day we're going to see Jesus. And we're just going to see him. And, you know, I think this to myself when it comes to that time on that day when we face him, when we're with him at the Bema seat. I believe it will be something like this where the father will say. What did you do with my son? Did you love him? Did you obey him? Not how many people did you lead? Look, I'll tell you something right now. The closer we get to heaven, the more raw and real our faith is going to get. It's not going to be about what it was before because we're in a trajectory that's it's lightning speed. All this that's happening in the earth are birth pangs. Because Jesus Christ is going to birth his millennial kingdom. that kingdom of righteousness. And it's going to come down to it. Where all these Christian accoutrements and, and gatherings and, and little click groups, all that, God's going to shatter that. God wants you to come and drink. Whoever you are. I was talking about a man and I'm going to, I know it's going on 30 minutes. I was talking to some uh, some people on Saturday, and I was talking about a man, a revivalist that was coming from England, and he was a very prominent man in his day, and he had a heart to serve the Lord, and he had achieved so much in his life. He had done everything. He was a he was 
everything that you would want to be, I would think, in terms of achievement. But he said he felt so empty. And he said one day at his desk, Lord, is this all that there is? I've risen to the heights of where I am today in my career. This is in the mid 1800s. Um, I, you know, he he says I, I'm a, I've I've done it all. And that night when he went home, he took a walk out onto the edge of the ocean and he looked out and he heard the Lord say, are you willing to go further? And when he heard the Lord say that, he knew that that wasn't a question he wanted to just say, yes, Lord. Instead, he said, Lord, give me three days. And I'll come back and I'll answer you. And he spent three days in complete and total agony. He said that was the hardest three days of my life. He said, I'll tell you, on that third day, 30 minutes before I went back out on that bluff, I was on my knees next to my bed sweating. Because I knew that saying yes to him, I knew what that meant. And so he goes out to the bluff and he stands on the bluff. And he says, Lord, I'm here. It's been three days. And I say yes to you. And then he went back to work. And a few days later, he was he heard the Lord saying, quit your job. I want you to leave your position. And his family said, are you crazy? What are you doing? And so he left his job. He said goodbye to his job, his career. Not long after he heard the Lord say, I want you to go to the United States. And his family said, are you crazy? What are you doing? Where are you going? Because he didn't, he wasn't told. And then he said goodbye to his country. He said goodbye to his family. Then he was on the boat for three months in thick fog. And he said, I was so oppressed. He didn't say anything about the enemy, but you could tell what he was describing was he said, the enemy was upon me. Heaviness was upon me. He said, after three months, I was, because I was walking around the boat for three months under a heaviness there. I, I didn't hear anything from the Lord. I heard, did not hear him at all. I didn't feel his presence. But as one morning I woke up and the sun was shining and I stood, I stood on the deck and I looked out and I saw the land we were coming to, Alice Island. And he heard the Lord say to him, I want you, before you get to that land, I want you to go into your cabin. I want you to get your credentials and I want you to come back here and I want you to throw them overboard. I want you to throw it into the ocean. And he did that. And after he did that, the Lord said, oh, and that necklace you're wearing, take it off. It was some kind of like an achievement necklace from like high education. And he took that gold necklace off. Jesus said, throw it into the ocean, cast it into the ocean. And he threw it in there. And he said goodbye to his credentials. He said goodbye to that ornament of a high intellectual achievement. And he got to that shore. And he wound up renting a little room over a bakery from a man that was a believer. And he was holding Bible studies. And he got a little job there. And he was enjoying the wonder, wonder of it. People were coming. It was filling up. And then one day, Jesus said to him, I want you to quit your job. He had to say goodbye to his job. And the story went on. But this is what I want to leave you with. Every day you're saying goodbye to this world. Every day you're moving in 
into eternity. That's what I want to say to you. And I think of that story about throwing, casting everything out into the ocean. Like I was sharing with some people on Saturday. And I see that land as heaven land. And there's so much we're hanging on to of ourselves and what we want and what we want people to, to admire us. And we want people to like us. We want people to accept us in their presence. We want to try to be something to the Lord. And we're doing all these acrobatics in every dimension of our life. And there's so much God is saying to us, cast it into the ocean. Cast it into the ocean. You're not going to need it where you're going. And I pray that today you will realize we're at that place now. The last days. The last days. And Jesus is crying to you and me. To everybody. The spirit and the bride say come. Let all those who thirst He says, him that heareth come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him come and drink of the water of life freely. That was his final words. His final words were, I come quickly. So cast everything you have off the ship that's taking you to Christ and go to him. Blow past a bunch of actual intellectualism. Take off the gold ornament of high achievement. Go to him. Go to him and drink. And let that living water well up within you. And let him make you like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and always keep you in his sight and make you make your like trees burst forth and bloom. Grapefruit trees. Amen. Praise the Lord. And by the way, one last thing. It is our 10th anniversary on the fur on the second. And so my husband has taken a few days off, so we're going to spend some time together. So I'll be away for a few days in case you're wondering. I'll make a note in the comment section. I'll pin it in case people don't make it to the end of this. <laughs> Sometimes I like to leave early, which is fine with me. But so if you don't see me for a few days, it's because my husband and I are spending some nice time together. So the Lord just bless you. The Lord overwhelm you and in flood you with the love of God and that you be lifted up in strength and power and his might and that you would be full of joy and that you would go call and come, bring them here come come back bring them to the Lord and you could do that in prayer say Lord I can't get to that person but Lord I pray that your living waters flow to them in Jesus name the Lord bless you. I love you all very much. See you again soon.